This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast. Today is Wednesday, July 22nd. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. Well, we've made it to week 30 of this wild and crazy year, 2020, one that has presented us with more twists and turns than the Mississippi River. But remember, there's still a lot of year ahead, and lots more drama, trauma, and who knows what else. Our national election is a mere 15 weeks away, with lots riding on that politically, socially, and economically. And after that gets decided, we'll still have some seven more weeks to wrestle with before we get to put 2020 into the rearview mirror. So, buckle up, put your head into the wind, with mask in place, of course, and let's keep pushing through it whatever the next it is. So what a pleasure it was to converse with researcher and biographer Jane Plitt last week about the storied life of Martha Matilda Harper, America's first hair salon owner, inventor, and the mother of retail franchising in America. It was especially refreshing following 10 solid weeks of COVID-19 related episodes here on Franchise Today, followed by three more weeks which zeroed in on all of the civil disorder and social unrest across the nation. Well, today we're going to take a break from all of that for this episode anyway, and spend our time today catching up with none other than Paul Segreto, who among other things that he'll catch us up on, is the founder of this very podcast, which I now host weekly. Paul and I did the show together for, I don't know, something like five years, but he ran it himself as well for years before that. We'll talk about all of that and more in just a minute with the man himself, Mr. Paul Segreto. In fact, let's not wait another minute. Let's bring him right on. Welcome home. Paul Segreto. Well, it's good to be here, Stan. It's been a while. A minute or two. I mean, the whole world's gone upside down, sideways. So yeah, it's been an interesting year and a half, Paul, and it's good to hear your voice again. What are you up to these days? Uh, Besides just reminiscing over some of our great times at the franchise conferences and seeing Cat's Deli and some of the other great (laughs) restaurants we've seen, and certainly missing you and missing everybody in the franchise community. God, it's it's been tough just sitting at home and not traveling, and I know that's got to be the same for you, as busy as your travel schedule has been. Yeah, four months of this, though, has got me kind of getting used to it. I'm I'm almost starting to like it. So there's a reflection of age and mentality and a shift in the paradigm, right? No kidding. I certainly know you're uh, you're not missing that heavy Atlanta traffic as well, right? The roads are insanely light. And now that they've announced no school, we're still going to stay that way without school buses on the road for a while longer. All the wrong reasons for it, but happy to be enjoying it. So, Paul, it's been a year and a half, a little more than that, actually, since you turned the reins of Franchise Today over to me. And for those in the audience that may be new listeners and aren't familiar with our history, why don't you give a little recap of how you and I wound up together on this podcast and that it was me joining you as as opposed to you being my guest today. Yeah, it was an interesting journey. I first got into podcasting. Franchise Today originally was called Franchise Essentials, which of course was the name of my company. Oh, going back 11 years. And it originally started out about social media and franchising. And shortly thereafter, I realized it was a much broader subject matter to really discuss than just social media and franchising. And of course, we're talking about back around 2009, 
beginning, we were in the middle of a big financial debacle. Franchising was kind of turned on its ear because a lot of people weren't selling franchises anymore during that place. A lot of people weren't looking for franchises. Social media popped up. It got very, very robust. Everybody was trying to learn. So we dove in with that, eventually changed it to uh, Franchise Today shortly after starting. And I rocked along with that and had some great guests over the years, but it was a, a weekly show, an hour long. And like anything else, you just start dragging a little bit. And I remember it was about five years ago and I was contemplating what I was going to do with the show. You were doing uh, your show at the time about sustainable franchising. And you basically said to me, you really need to keep this up. I would really like to help you. I welcomed you with open arms. It was a great partnership. But again, about 18, 19 months ago, I hit that wall again. And as I was changing my focus to specifically to franchise lead generation and franchise sales, my focus was more with the end user, the candidates, so to speak, where franchise today was more in my mind at the time, you know, more dealing with the franchisor community. So I wanted to shift gears a little bit. And uh, I was very, very proud and and honored that you wanted to continue with it. And so push the reins over to you and you've been doing a great job with it. So yeah, that's an interesting question. Dad, have you been listening? Yeah, I've listened and not <laughs> quite as much as I would like. It does seem like podcasting has, as we know, has just exploded everywhere and probably even more so since we've been all sitting in our homes. But boy, the franchise space. I can't believe how many podcasts there are in franchising. I remember when I started out 11 years ago, probably one of the first first and people would say, pod what? Podcasting? What is that about? Do you mean you're on the radio? They couldn't understand and, and get their arms around it. And I remember it was a challenge getting people to even want to be a guest on the show. And I remember the first time Lane Fisher, a franchise attorney we both know very well, there hadn't been attorneys really online and uh, on a podcast. And he said to me, you know, I'm going to be talking live, got to watch what I say. And I remember the two of us preparing ridiculous amounts of time with each other and separately to make sure the show went off just perfectly. And he really helped open the door because over the ensuing years, we had 40 or 50 different shows on legal and franchising. And we did, I think, five or six years running. We did a four to an eight part legal series that led to a franchise finance series with gentlemen like Ron Feldman and some other great minds in the franchise finance world. And, and it just kept evolving and it never seemed that any show was like the next. And, and that became a challenge. I mean, without having a set routine, the preparation was getting to be insane. Of course, the technology wasn't as good as it is today. I know you and I had our shares of, of technological <laughs> problems along the way. I was just thinking about that and reminiscing about that as we were having some of those together here a little while ago this morning. Yeah, it's funny. I remember from the um, the law firm of Clave Cook, it was a last minute guest that morning, a half an hour before the person I was supposed to be speaking with, uh, had a severe case of laryngitis. And this gentleman, oh God, I can't believe, I can't remember his name, stepped in at the last minute, he said, I'll give it a wing. And so we we got ready to start the show. And right at about that time, right across the, the parking lot from Clave Cook is Homeland Security. And all of a sudden there was some type of uh, threat of an attack. There was a lockdown. They were vacating both buildings. So he's literally walking out of his office as we're getting ready to to start and he's on his cell phone. Well, he looks down and his cell phone is 
like on 2% left on his battery. So he jumps into his admin's car who looked at him very, very strange. He said, he said, I got to go with you to your house. She was kind of looking at him, not realizing what he was doing. She just said, okay. And he wound up getting there and plugging in and charging. And, and the show went off without a hitch. But the funny thing was nobody knew what was going on. We worked completely through it. That's amazing. Well, you know, when we did what we did live for so long, that live component always brought an edge with it that you never knew what you were going to get. Stories like the one you've just shared exemplify that. But technically, I think that as many podcasts as there are out there now, from a production quality perspective, it's a little rough for an audience to tune in and get exposed to that and the crackling and the hissing and the technical problems. So I think that as many podcasts as there are out there now, it puts a higher level of strength stress on production quality and yep. trying to give an audience something that really does sound like quality wise, it's equal to the content that you try to provide as well. So it, yeah, it's demanding and there's a lot out there, but I see so many new podcasts coming and then a few weeks later, I look for them and I can't find them anymore. So they come, they don't stick around for long. Yeah. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to produce quality content week in and week out. And now you've got the helm of, and the reins of Frank today. And it's 11 plus years, which in any type of medium is a long time. I mean, think about sitcoms, think about everything else. We were doing it and you're still doing it every single week. It wasn't the season. I had some breaks during the summer where I just said, I need a few weeks off. And it was difficult getting guests. And of course, as you said, as we're doing it live, not only are, are the demands there, but you're running into last minute changes. And then mm -hmm. what do you do? Who do you get? And instead of having to say, well, we'll be on again next week, we have technical problems. Well, here we are. We are doing it pre-recorded. We will do it in a way that makes it sound like both of us are brilliant orators because of the editing suite. That'll help a lot. Sure. Paul, let's talk more about you, where you've been, what have you been up to? Sticking to the franchisor side of the business, you made a couple of pivots and a couple of changes. Catch us up on what's going on in your world. Yeah, well, we still have Franchise Foundry and we still work with emerging franchise franchisors or independent businesses that want to enter into franchising. And of course, uh, with that, we're very, very much involved on the franchise candidate side, uh, specifically for those types of brands. And uh, and that's been challenging as it becomes more and more difficult for businesses to enter into franchising, as well as gain the confidence and trust of individuals looking to invest their life savings in a brand that's basically new to the franchising space and often the best is why this brand as opposed to one that's out there with 200 units, let's say. So part of the thing that we've done too is we've shifted more to unique type brands, such as a brand that we work with mobile pet imaging out of Miami, Florida. There's nothing else like it. In the restaurant space, we look for something that has a very unique point of differentiation and distinction into the marketplace. So we don't carry more than 10 or 12 clients at any one time. Well, going along with that, we also realized that there's a, a space that I think has been left alone, so to speak. I know some have tried it, and I'm talking about franchise resales. And a lot of times, brands don't want to get involved on the resale.
resale side because now they're dealing with a candidate that might have been in the pipeline looking for something new. You're dealing with a, maybe a franchisee that hasn't quite made it as successful as they would like, and they're trying to sell the business at a fire sale price. It comes a very big disconnect. Um, so we've been working in that space, trying to improve upon that and working with a large scale of franchisors that uh, have interest in, in resales uh, for their franchisees. And of course, I like to think that I was brilliant and thinking ahead, but during this pandemic, we're more and more are facing challenging times and, and have to sell for a variety of reasons. We've been quite busy on that. And uh, just before the first of the year, we contracted with Nick Luliuza up at Empire Business Brokers out of Buffalo, New York, and we attained the rights to Empire Business Brokers and Advisors for the state of Texas. So that has kept us busy. Alongside of that, always working with a lot of franchise brands that were thinking about getting into franchising, and we would do some evaluation and feasibility and finding that often is the case. They're not ready for it. And in today's day and age of positively memorable experiences, which should be on the forefront of mind, we've been actually doing some consulting on that, launched a great dining experiences as a um, business model, so to speak, consulting for brands that we're bringing on board. And then it kind of evolved into another space, great dining experiences, Facebook group that basically talks about positively memorable experiences as opposed to the negativity that you see on the customer review sites. And what stuck in my mind in the great chef and entrepreneur, Anthony Bourdain, sadly took his own life last year. And I remember one of the quotes that stood out and he said, basically Yelp and other review sites was going to be the demise of chefs and independent restaurants as we know it. So kind of a side project, but actually starting to uh, to monetize it by our consulting services about customer experience. We launched this Facebook group and it kind of got to the point, Stan, where I was really ticked off when somebody would say in a group, I'm interested in taking my wife out to dinner. It's our 25th anniversary. We're thinking about going to XYZ Steakhouse. What's the best thing on the menu? And people would just latch on to that and just lambast that poor restaurant and say, I wouldn't go there. It's dog food. It's this, that, and the other thing. So I kind of took a page out of the Disney books, as I often do. And the character in uh, in Bambi, Thumper, and says, you know, mama always said, if I didn't have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. So we've been really steadfast in keeping that within our Facebook group. And we utilize it a lot in our customer experience training. And then, of course, as you know, for the last five or six years, we've been working loosely with the umbrella of Accelerate Success. And uh, now we have the Accelerate Success group that has Foundry and Empire Business Brokers and Advisors of Texas and great dining experiences all under one umbrella. And uh, it's been working well. Well, why don't we take a quick break, but we'll come back on the other side of the break and we'll get your reflections and thoughts on some of what the craziness in the last many months has looked like and where it is you think things are heading. And we're talking with my good friend, Paul Segreto, the founder of this podcast franchise today. And it's kind of fun having you back as a guest. We'll be right back with Paul Segreto. Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice 
dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball. But there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. And we are back with Paul Segreto, the founder of Franchise Today, who invited me five years ago to become co-host to only a couple of years later, just put it in my lap and say, okay, I'm done. It's yours now. <laughs> it's been a fun run, Paul. And literally, we've not spoken enough over the course of the last year and a half. So while the audience is catching up on what's going on in your world, I am too. And I've kind of let go of Facebook. What do you see in social? How has it changed? Yeah, I have similar thoughts with respect to, to Facebook. It's more my per- use for my personal stuff, my rants, whether they try not to be political, but of late, I seem to be uh, getting more political thinking that no matter what side you're on, if you're part of a silent majority, you need to, to speak out. And so I use that, but I also use it to share things about my family and, and really just my passion of food has really taken shape. And I just find it as a good outlet. I'm u- definitely using LinkedIn significantly more than ever before to get my content out, of course, being considered an influencer and a content producer in the space and having won awards of that and accolades over the last five years, I just stop and I think, okay, you know, people are listening. I do want to ramp up on my blog again and will be as that now changed to Accelerate Success Cafe. And so it's, I think social media obviously is still here to stay. I think it's being used in different ways and I'm finding my way towards utilizing it in different ways. Instagram of course is big too but I think you know from a business standpoint and I think it's uh, slowly moving to a new standpoint more than ever before I think LinkedIn is the platform and it's funny because I was looking through some old blog posts from 10 years ago and I remember saying is LinkedIn here to stay and I actually wrote an article about it twice in a two-year period is LinkedIn here to stay well yeah boy is it ever I remember back in my blimpy days which it's got to be longer than 10 years it's probably 20 that I had a conversation with Lane Fisher at one point when we were talking about LinkedIn and I said I thought it was the platform that was going to be the ultimate business communications tool. And Lane had just sent me an invite to join him on Plaxo. And I don't even think Plaxo exists anymore. I I don't even remember it. (laughs) But I do remember that there were these other platforms that would kind of show their faces kind of like podcasts, right? They'd show up, they'd be there for a while. You get invites from people trying to get you to join them there. I don't see much of that anymore. I think we're down to a couple or three main stays that are the platforms that have withstood the test of time and literally have changed the world that we live in in terms of the 24-hour constant news cycle. I mean, there's no information that isn't available to you at a mouse click or the movement of your thumb across a smartphone. So it's a changed place and it's changing ever so quickly. So the last 12 or 14 of these podcast episodes here on Franchise Today have been focused and dedicated to the impact on COVID-19 for about 10 weeks and have had guests on talking about how they've been managing through and helping to share with other franchisors things that were working for them and helping their franchisees get PPP and staying afloat or negotiating real estate or leases. And 
And then we had a series of episodes that focused on some of the civil unrest that followed COVID and kind of knocked it off the front page for a while. Now it's back again, and who knows what comes next. But I'm interested, Paul, in having you share with the audience your reflections on these past three and four months and the impact you've seen directly impacting your clients, your own business for that matter, and where you see things kind of moving as we move through this into what was supposed to be a calmer summer, but it isn't proving to be that way. The disease continues to thrash out. Yeah, well, certainly uh, we know 2020 usually means perfect vision, and the year 2020 is nothing like a perfect vision because we don't know what's ahead and who could have ever forecast what's been going on. And there's been a lot. There's been a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of uncertainty. As President Trump said, COVID obviously is going to end up killing a lot of people, but probably not as many people that will commit suicide as a result of potential financial ruin. And we're hearing more and more that every day. And of course, uh, entrepreneurs have always been susceptible to mental health problems. And of course, you know, in our space, dealing with a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, we're seeing some of that take place today. My heart breaks for especially the entrepreneurs that are in the business segments that are affected completely by a close down. Bars and restaurants are hit some of the hardest fitness center owners. It's really tragic. And to think that there's something that we can't see that has affected that, uh, caused that, is just hard to believe. And so my heart goes out to them. You know, I think it also creates opportunity. And like they say, these type of issues really uh, allow us to reinvent, reevaluate ourselves and our business models. And of course, we've heard a lot too much about the new normal. And I think that as I analyze the entire space, and, and especially the restaurant space, where we're seeing more of these issues, I just read today, 14 restaurant chains have entered into bankruptcy this year when it was only reported that eight all of last year happened. So these issues coming about by COVID-19 are just accelerating things. And it's also weaning out some problems that were kind of lingering on. And, and if their brand was weak or our business was weak going into this, certainly they weren't going to survive. So the new normal, as they said, was interesting as the restaurants went on lockdown and they were basically forced, if they were going to stay in business, to use takeout and delivery. And I've been a big proponent of takeout and delivery as a new profit center long before this took place. And of course, many, many restaurants, unless you're a fast food restaurant and actually have a drive-thru, many, many restaurants, you know, they did some takeout, they were doing some delivery, but it was more happenstance than anything. They really weren't putting a lot of emphasis into the customer experience factor. They were using crappy containers and on their way home and it's dripping out the side and they get home and you empty the bag and the bag's got all the sauce in the bottom and whatever the case might be. And so I think this forced people, business owners in the restaurant space especially, to look at this and say, well, how do we do this and do it effectively so we can maintain you know, a loyal customer base? Well, the ones that have gone through the last three or four months and have really taken it to a high level, now we're going to see a new profit center that they've never seen before moving, up, moving forward. So that's the good with it. The bad with it is some of them jumped into it, think, okay, I'm going to commit to this. You know, Stan, it was a lot like people back in 2008 and 2000 involved that said franchise sales are down. So I'm going to go ahead and focus on franchise operations and I'm really going to button it up only to find that as soon as they felt they could start selling franchises again, they kind of pushed that aside. And I saw the same thing happen through this. The first wave 
uh, went, they started opening up again to 25, 50, 75%. All of a sudden, they started forgetting about some of the good things that we were doing with takeout and delivery. And I watched it unfold on the review sites where people were actually saying, wow, it was really great. I was going there every week. I would take it home. And now it seems like they're open again. They don't care about us that are not comfortable going out, but yet we still want to enjoy their food. So it's really creating, I think, opportunity that we can't just sit aside and say, woe is me, throw in the towel. I think it's time to create or take advantage of opportunities that present themselves. And you look at brands, obviously you're very passionate in the wing space and you look just in the wing space. Buffalo Wild Wings went to a to-go model. They brought down their footprint for this model to a thousand square feet. It's just takeout delivery. Brinker that owns uh, Chili's that everybody knows, they went to a virtual wing concept. And these aren't just on paper. These are stuff they've launched. They actually started operating and they're going to benefit by it. And that'll probably allow them to survive. You mentioned wings and yeah, my passion for wings, Paul, there's not going to be a Buffalo wing festival for the first time in 18 years this year. That's sad. That's sad. But keep your eyes open because we are doing something. We're pivoting. We're doing the same thing everyone else is having to do. There's going to be a virtual festival of sorts. It's going to be an interesting pivot. It's going to be different, but it's going to be fun. You talked about Buffalo Wild Wings, Wingstop, another classic brand that was built for this almost. They didn't have to pivot. I've talked to them a couple of three times over the last few months. Madison Job, our good friend, has told me they've seen comp sales positive in the double digits because so much of what they do has been for consumption off-premise from the onset. So they didn't have to change a whole lot. Uh, they just had to continue doing what they were doing and, and do more of it. What do you see on the horizon, though, Paul? What are the things that you think, if you're advising franchisors that are thinking about getting into franchising now, there may be some who think, nope, too volatile, I'm not going to do it. But to the point you made before that, you know, out of the ashes rises the phoenix, right? So yep. there are going to be things that are franchisable now. What's on the horizon? What do you see? Well, I think it's really going to be more than ever before. It's going to be based upon the relationship, the relationship with franchisee and franchisor, the relationship between the brand and the customer and the customer and the franchise location. And I'll give you a good case in point. Uh, this past weekend, as you know, down in Houston, where I'm at, COVID is really a hotbed right now. There's uh, emergency rooms that are full, ICUs that are full, and it's really on the forefront of everybody's mind. It was interesting to see the ripple effect into business this past weekend. There was a, a restaurant that's been around for a long time, seemed to do okay with the takeout and delivery. And this past weekend, they showed pictures of their dining room at 7.30 on a Friday night, absolutely empty. And that's really cause for concern. But yet, when you look into it further, I think there's more there than meets the eye because Papa Do's, although not a franchise, it's a big chain. The Papa's family has done a great job. Papa Do's was on a wait all weekend. So you have one brand and you have another brand and you say, why would there be a wait? And I think it really comes down to the loyalty is one thing, but it's the trust, the confidence. I still want to go out to eat, but yeah, maybe I'll go to this other place if everything was normal, but I want to go here because I want a little bit more confidence. I want trust. 
I kind of think that what goes on the front end is similar to what might be going in the back of the house. So I have a trust that I can have a healthy, safe experience. And I think the same thing is going to be true across franchises. Brands, more than ever, have to stand out in their community. They have to be visible and they have to be doing the right things. All about safety, all about health, all about taking care of their employees. I mean, we've seen some great stories come out of this where brands have taken care of those that might be furloughed. And even you look at, again, on the non-franchise space, Landry's owned by Tillman Petito. He took a closed restaurant that he had and opened it up only for furloughed employees in the restaurant space and provided them with meals. I mean, it's those type of things that are going to build confidence that when people look to invest in something, they're going to look at brands that really rose to the top as opposed to being at the bottom and having this woe is me type of attitude. And more importantly, not treating their employees right. This is a ripple effect. You know, there's more and more review sites like Glassdoor that are all about employee-employer relationships that are full of comments, both good and bad. And I think when people start to invest, and they will invest in businesses, maybe more than ever before, Stan, because, you know, people just want to control their own destiny more than ever before. I think that's going to be paramount. It's going to be paramount thinking and planning ahead and saying, that's the type of relationship I'm looking for. That positively memorable experience is as important between franchisor and franchisee as it is between business and customer. I want to take the time that's left to us, Paul, to focus in on who that customer is in terms of prospective franchisees today. We've seen in all of the social consciousness shifting, we've seen generational changes. We've seen millennials and Gen X, Y, and Zs getting very, very engaged and active in some of the social and Black Lives Matter movements and rallies and protests. And I'm wondering if that's going to change who a prospect for a franchise is now that we're back in a recession. We've got large unemployment numbers again, that it's not going to be the same audience anymore, is it? I think there's going to be a shift too in who it is that's going to be looking to buy a franchise and what must franchisors be prepared for in trying to address those audiences differently. So I think there's several audiences. I think as been said before, today's franchisees or yesterday's franchisees or tomorrow's franchisees. So obviously, you're going to see people that are well-established as multi-unit franchisees, multi-brand franchisees, taking advantage of the opportunity of some very prime real estate becoming available. That's number one. Number two, certainly you're going to have people, millennials and Y and Z, are going to look at where they can invest their money, invest their time, and invest in their future. And of course, it's not going to be real expensive of bricks and mortar franchises. It's going to be some unique, almost freelancing type opportunities, but with a brand behind them. As well, I also think when you mentioned generational, because the baby boomers, some of them have seen their portfolios hit. Maybe they've been forced into earlier retirement than they would like, but yet they're healthy and they're still interested in contributing. I think you're going to see more and more uh, multi-generational franchises get together where grandpa and millennial single parents are going to actually partner up together for more businesses. I think that's going to be a big trend. I mean, we've already started to see multi-generational homes on the West Coast where three families are living under one roof with common living areas and each having their own master bedroom suites. So it's not a lot different, Stan, than it was back when immigrants came over to this country and partnered together, living at a 
one or two bedroom apartments. I think you're going to see more of that than ever before. And then last, uh, the people that are displaced. I mean, here in Houston, we're the energy capital of the world and we're hit hard. We've got more energy jobs lost in the last few months than the last recession or the last oil bust. A lot of them either are going to say, I need to control my own destiny and I need to invest in something, or I need to at least diversify my income and be able to invest in this and hopefully get back working or continue working in the energy industry. Paul, we're just about out of time, my friend, but I wonder if there's anything that I didn't ask you that you wish I would have. Well, I mean, obviously, I think in the times that we're at, it's very sad to see what's going on with social unrest. And today, I think we took a big blow to it uh, with U.S. civil rights hero and U.S. representative for Georgia's 5th Congressional District for over three decades. John Robert Lewis passed away last night at the age of 80 years old. His nonviolent message for peace and unity certainly needed more today than ever before when we greatly missed. And I look forward to a change in franchising and business. And I know you've been a very, very big advocate of minorities coming into franchising and uh, long before many have been and should have been. And I uh, applaud you for that. I look forward to a breath of fresh air into business and space with new minds that may not have felt that there was an entry into the great world of entrepreneurship before. Well said, my friend, and I share your sentiments about John Lewis. I've had the privilege of sitting in his office many times, both in D.C. and here in Georgia over the years that I've worked in diversity with the IFA, and he's the end of an era. He's one of the last of an era, and he's uh, he's going to be missed. Paul, I can't thank you enough. Would you share it with the audience how to find you, how to get further info or more involved with what it is you're doing that may pique their interest? Well, certainly, if you can't find me in social media or online, you're not looking. So, Paul Segreto, the best way is through LinkedIn. Of course, my emails, uh, there's too, too many of them to mention. The best way is actually through LinkedIn online. Again, Accelerate Success Group, Franchise Foundry, great dining experiences, not many places that you can't find me. Thanks for your time, my friend. And let's do this more often, both on or off the air, but let's just make it a point to keep in touch. Hopefully it'll be over a great pastrami sandwich here pretty soon, Stan. I'm all in, my friend, all in. Paul Segreto, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the trail. Thank you. It's always great catching up with Paul, and I do look forward to that pastrami sandwich whenever he and I can safely find our way back to Katz's Deli in New York. Until then, hang in there, stay safe, and keep on keeping on. I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.